Well, good evening and welcome back to our pastor's class here at Hickory Grove. It's a joy to have you joining us tonight as we continue our study through Jerry Bridges' book entitled Respectable Sins. If you don't have that book, I encourage you to pick it up either at a bookstore or on Amazon. It's a terrific book that's going to help you wrestle with those sins that you often forget about. We're talking about those things that we are disposed to do and we forget that the Lord has called us to flee these things. We forget that the Lord has called us to fight these sins. In fact, they're so common that we end up living without reference to them. That's why Jerry calls them respectable insofar as they just seem so normal for a person to function with. So, for example, last week we went through the respectable sin of discontentment. Oh, how easy it is even as believers for us to live without contentment. A couple weeks before that, we went through the sin of anxiety, which if that word doesn't seem to be a word you should associate with the word sin, well, I encourage you to go watch that lesson on anxiety and frustration, and you'll see what the Lord has to say about those sins and really what underlies our tendency towards anxiety. Uh, the week before that, we even looked at the sin of ungodliness. But what we're going to do tonight is we're going to turn the page and we're going to look at another respectable sin and mercy. This is one of those respectable sins that I trust none of us go a day without falling victim to this. You see, the sin we're going to look at tonight is the sin of unthankfulness. You could describe it as the sin of thanklessness. You could call it, of course, ungratefulness. Who amongst us does not wrestle with this daily? And today, we're just going to spend a few moments looking around the Bible, but in particular, we're going to fixate on one particular text in the book of Romans, chapter 1. So if you have a Bible, I invite you to take it and turn with me to Romans 1. And what I'd like to do today is to begin by reading but one verse. This verse, Romans 1, verse 21 is going to be the focal point of our message tonight. We are going to build our theology of thankfulness and unthankfulness based off this verse, Romans 1, 21. Let me read it for you, and then we'll pray and ask for God's help over the next few moments as we are grappling together with the respectable sin of unthankfulness. Romans 1, beginning in verse 21. Paul writes, For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Would you join me as we pray? Our Father in heaven, now we ask that you would come and that you would confront us with the reality of Romans 1.21 that there are a people who do not honor you and you, in a fairly stunning way, make all the more clear they did not give you thanks, convicting words, weighty words. And so we ask, O oh God, that you would pierce our hearts with your word tonight. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're but a month away or so from a holiday that all Americans associate with this concept of being thankful. And of course, you know, you can't wait for that great holiday we know as 
thanksgiving. Now, just for a moment, consider with me the backstory, the, the traditional story, so to speak, of the holiday of thanksgiving. It was first celebrated in 1621 when you had roughly 53 colonists or so celebrate this great meal of thanks with 93 Wampanoag Indians. And that's the first time we see this evidence of a feast celebrating the Lord's provision. Well, then our first president, George Washington, he actually proclaimed a national day. He designated this day of thanksgiving in 1789. But the official holiday that we know and celebrate to this day, it was formally proclaimed as a national holiday in 1863 by our famed president, Abraham Lincoln. And every year as we gather around a Thanksgiving table with family and friends, we ought, indeed that's the intent of the holiday, we ought to sit down and thank God Almighty for His magnificent providential provision in our lives. But the truth of the matter is, so many of us don't. Not just on Thanksgiving, on most days. I stand before you as a pastor openly admitting my tendency to lack thanksgiving in my heart to God. You see, we are prone to have thankless hearts. We're prone to see all we have as something owed us. We're prone to see all we do as something we have earned. We're prone to see all that comes to us as something we deserve. We ought to remember as men and women created by Almighty God that there is a good, loving, creator, sustaining God to whom we owe all honor, glory, and as Romans 1.21 makes clear, thanksgiving. You see, the Bible is actually a story that overlays the traditional story of thanksgiving. The Bible is a story of true thanksgiving. It's the real, it's the lasting narrative of thanksgiving. In fact, I want you to just wrestle with me for the next few moments on how thanksgiving permeates the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. I want you to feel that this concept of thanksgiving is not an afterthought. This is close to the heart of God. And so if you're taking notes, I want you to mark down just a few things that we're going to see come out of Romans 1.21. The first thing I want you to see is, number one, if you're taking notes, mark it down. The truth be told, we are actually designed for thankfulness. We're designed for thanksgiving. We were made to this End. When you see Romans 1.21, it says one of the essences of sin was this forgetfulness to give thanks, this rejection of thanksgiving to God, this lack of a thankful heart. The Bible teaches that when God made us, He made us for one principal reason. We were made in the end to exalt in the name of the Lord. We were designed to glorify Him, to worship Him. We were designed to give Him thanks for all things. I want you to mark that down. For all things. Mark down in your margin Acts chapter 17 verse 25. One of the reasons we ought to give Him thanks for all things is because as this text amongst many makes clear, all things we have are from Him. He Himself gives to all mankind life 
and breath and everything. You see, just this very day, you have 20,000 reasons to give thanks to God. For you have drawn roughly 20,000 breaths just today. We ought to stand amazed at the fact that there is a God who is sustaining our very breath moment by moment. And we so often forget to give Him thanks. Why is that? Why are we so prone to forget this? It's not just that we forget to give Him thanks for all things. Mercy, we forget to give Him thanks for few things. We just forget. Oh God, would you help each of us remember that we have been designed for this. We were created for this. We were made to give you thanks for all things. Moreover, I want you to see that we were made to give Him thanks in all circumstances. It's very difficult to give the Lord thanks in all circumstances, particularly when they are adverse. Just consider the weight of 1 Thessalonians 5.18, where Paul writes to the church at Thessalonica, give thanks in all circumstances. And then he puts a finer point on it. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Mercy, how can we possibly give thanks in all circumstances? The truth of the matter is, we don't. In fact, I want you to see a second layer to this. This is what I want us to really grapple with tonight. While it is true that we have been designed to give thanksgiving to God, we are designed for thankfulness. Well, the truth of the matter is, we are disposed towards unthankfulness. We're disposed towards this thanklessness to God. This really is the essence of sin. So this is really what I want you to see tonight. Thanklessness is in many ways synonymous with sin. It kind of gets to the core, to the essence of sin. So for example, go with me back to the beginning of the Bible, the book of Genesis, where sin enters the world. We see sin first in the heart of Lucifer, this archangel, this great angel of God who began to grow in his ungratefulness to God and saw himself as being owed more than he had. He did not appreciate what God gave him and out of his pride he turned from God. God cast him out of heaven and then we see that Satan, that fallen angel in the form of a serpent, tempt Adam and Eve and get Adam and Eve to start thinking that they deserve something more than what God has given them to start doubting who God really is, that He is a good God worthy of all of their thanksgiving and praise. And so Adam and Eve succumb to the temptation of Satan, and they become, as Satan was, an ingrate, an ungrateful being. The curse of sin fell. And so I just want you to see that we, as the offspring of Adam and Eve, part of the fallen human race, are no different than they. We are, as they were, disposed towards thanklessness. In particular, we tend to be thankless for who God is. We see God and we don't appreciate His glory. We see what He proclaims and we don't like it. 
We see God's right rule in His reign and we suppress it. We reject it. We are not grateful for who He is. We are not grateful for the life we've been given. We resent it. We turn our backs on Him. We try to cover up our sin and shame. We are no different than Adam and Eve. We are, each of our testimonies has as its beginning Genesis chapter 3, wherein we, as Adam and Eve, saw our God and rejected who He is. And this overwhelming sense of ungratefulness began to well in our hearts. And we see the fruit of this ungratefulness in a multitude of ways as we live in this fallen world. You see, we don't just uh, have thanklessness in our hearts for who God is. We have thanklessness in our hearts for what God has done. We reject all the ways that He is providentially involved in our lives. We reject it. We suppress it. We are like the people of Israel. If you recall, when God freed His people from Egypt and Moses was leading the people from Egypt to the Promised Land, do you remember what happened almost immediately after they were delivered through the parting of the Red Sea and as they entered the wilderness? The Bible says they began to grumble and grumble and grumble. Thanklessness arose in their hearts. These people who were just miraculously freed from Egypt, who were miraculously brought safely through the Red Sea, instantly they begin to grumble. What an analogy for you and I, who have been freed from the bondage of sin and death, who have been brought to this point in our lives with so many evidences of grace, and yet today I grumble. I who get to serve a wonderful church. I couldn't ask for a better congregation. I, who sleep in a wonderful house with air conditioning and a full fridge and a comfortable bed. I, who have been afforded so many privileges, so many luxuries. I grumble daily. Oh, mercy, we are prone to thanklessness, not just for who God is, but for all the things He has done. It is indeed the essence of sin, not valuing God and His work above all things. So I want you to feel this. There's a tension here now. We were designed for thankfulness. We are disposed towards unthankfulness, towards this thanklessness. So there's a tension now. Wherein is our hope? God punished, He judged the people of Israel for grumbling against Him. Terrible plagues broke out. There were many judgments that came through those 40 years of wilderness wandering. Indeed, He made the whole generation die out before He brought them to the promised land. The Bible is equally clear that we who are thankless deserve the punishment of death. This is where the weight of Romans 121 comes in. For although they knew God, it says they didn't honor Him or give thanks to Him, they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Oh God, we are condemned with foolish, futile hearts. So wherein lies our hope? And this is where I want you to see the theme of thanksgiving continues. And it continues in ways you may not have even thought of before. We who were made to be thankful, but who have not been thankful, we are now, number three, if you're taking notes, we are dependent, dependent, dependent on Christ's thankfulness. 
Now, you might have expected me to say we should be thankful to Christ, which is, of course, a true statement. But I want you to see the way I framed this. We are dependent on Christ's thankfulness. You see, what I want you to see is Jesus came to earth to fulfill what we were unable to fulfill. Jesus lived in a way that we have not. Jesus actually fulfilled the design God has for us. So as we've already mentioned, we were designed for thankfulness. We have been now disposed as fallen creatures towards thanklessness. But thanks be to Jesus, we can now depend on His thankfulness because He lived the life we never could live. He was perfectly thankful in two ways. I want you to see, He was thankful to God. Time does not permit all the multitude of ways the Gospels illustrate Jesus' public and private and perfect thankfulness to God. His prayers are replete with evidence of thankfulness. His ministry is replete with evidence of thankfulness. You see him repeatedly cry out to God with thanksgiving for the knowledge he gave him, for the circumstances he afforded him, for the way he has providentially moving in his ministry and in the lives of his people. You see again and again, Jesus proclaimed publicly and privately that he was thankful to God. But his thanksgiving was not just a mere example. Jesus' thanksgiving was not just to God. It was indeed on our behalf. And I want you to see that one of the reasons why Jesus demonstrated perfect thanksgiving was to fulfill perfectly the law because you and I could not. And so when Jesus was nailed to that cross and he hung on that cross, this was a perfectly thankful man a God-man who fulfilled God's law perfectly. And as he cried out on that cross, Eloi, Eloi, lema sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The sins of the world, all the ungratefulness of all mankind, yours and mine and all creation was placed upon his shoulders. And he cried out in this cry of judgment until at last he breathed his last, and his last exhaling words were to tell us die, it is finished. And at last, he had once and for all decisively broken the curse of sin and death. He had at last paid the penalty for ungrateful hearts like you and I. He who was perfectly thankful died for we who were infinitely thankless. What a wonderful juxtaposition. The perfectly thankful God dying for the infinitely thankless mankind. That's why we rejoice. That's why we praise Him. That's why we need Him. And so today, I want you to feel as we wrestle with the sin of thanklessness, that we have a God who perfectly lived the thankful life on our behalf, fulfilling the law and dying for thankless sinners like you and I. But the story doesn't end there. There is a call on our lives. And so I want to conclude with one fourth and final point as we wrestle, as we grapple with the th sin of thanklessness. Number four, if you're taking notes, mark down fourth and finally. We weren't just designed for thankfulness. 
It's also important that we remember that though we are disposed towards thankfulness, thanklessness, and though uh, we are dependent on Christ's thankfulness, we ought to now know that thanks to Jesus, we are delivered. And we're delivered for something. We have been freed, as it were, to live thankful lives. So I want you to see when Christ saved you, He saved you for a reason. It was not just to escape the punishment you deserve, as glorious as that is. When Christ saved me out of darkness, He did not just save me from eternal damnation. He saved me for something. He saved me to change me, to grant me a new heart, to allow me to begin living in the way He designed me to live. Indeed, I have been delivered for thankfulness. And so let's just conclude our time together by reckoning with the ways we can live with thankfulness, thanks to Jesus' work on our behalf. On the one hand, we ought to live with thankfulness in the past. So think about this with me. We really ought to be thankful for things that have happened in the past. Have you ever just taken a moment to sit down and reflect on all the ways God has moved in your life? If you haven't done so, tomorrow morning as you wake up, I encourage you to set the alarm 30 minutes earlier, go into a quiet place in your home, and just journal down a few ways that you can recall God's grace in your life. Just start jotting them down. Bullet point out, this is something I'm thankful for. This is something God did. Just try the last month, then try the last year, then try the last decade. Surely you could have pages of things that you can thank the Lord for. If you need help in blazing on your heart, Psalm 9 verse 1 where it says, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. Do as the psalmist did and begin recounting all the ways God has been great, uh, so gracious to you. And if you do that, I want you to see, you're going to start looking back at your past with more buoyancy. You're going to look back at your past with more spirit. You're going to look back at your past with more gratefulness as you recount all the ways your good, loving, and gracious God has been good, loving, and gracious to you. And so we ought to recognize that we have been delivered to be thankful for all the ways God has moved in our past. But we also ought to reckon that we have been delivered to be thankful for all the ways God is being gracious to us right now in the present. I want you to just think today. What are the ways God has been gracious to you today? For example, when you went to your fridge this morning or your sink in the kitchen and you turned on the water spigot, as water comes into your cup, you ought to stand amazed with thanksgiving to God for the wonderful, beautiful access you have to clear water. What a thing I take for granted every day. I've never not once known I've never known what it's like to not have access to clean water. We ought to drink water to the glory of God and thank Him for the provision of clean water. We ought to thank Him for water that falls on our head in the shower. 
We ought to thank Him for a comfortable bed to lay on. We ought to thank Him for relative health, access to medical care. We ought to thank Him for air conditioning and heating and gas in our vehicle. We ought to thank Him for employment. We ought to thank Him for the very breath we draw. Have you ever attempted to just saturate your day with thanksgiving to God? I was challenged to do this in 2008. I'll never forget it. I had gone through a spell in my life where I recognized that I was terribly ungrateful to God for no good reason. And I began to resolve to just thank Him for the small things. And you want to know what happened? My whole demeanor changed. And this is not just my estimation. Those who knew me, who were closest to me, saw all the ways I was beginning to transform. There was like a burden being lifted off me. It's like I began to look through everything with a new lens. There were new lenses for me to look through, and these lenses were thanksgiving to God. And I began to see all the evidences of grace He was having in my life this very moment. And so remember, we have been delivered to be thankful to God today. But let's lastly remember that we have been delivered by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to be thankful not just for what has happened, not just for what is happening, but we are delivered to be thankful for God for what He will one day do. For there will come a day where we will at last experience in full what He has promised us today. We will at last see Him. We will join this feast the book of Revelation describes. In fact, Revelation chapter 19 illustrates for us this final eternal state wherein we will rejoice with thanksgiving to God at this marriage supper of the Lamb. It's like thanksgiving times infinity where we will experience the joy of our Creator. We will experience the beauty and holiness of eternal heaven. We will experience the glory of paradise that He created in the Garden of Eden and that collapsed in the fall of sin and will one day be redone in eternity. And when that day comes, we will spend eternity doing what we were created to do. Namely, thank God for Jesus Christ. And so today, if you struggle with being thankful, for one, you're in good company. I too struggle with being thankful. Most do. We ought to confess before Him all the ways we have been thankless and plead His grace and mercy. We also ought to resolve today to find all those evidences of grace in our lives and to begin to concertedly thank Him for His grace. And we ought to get ready for a day is coming where we will spend every moment of our existence thanking God through Jesus Christ. And so, get ready, brothers and sisters. You and I were made for thankfulness. Unthankfulness is the essence of sin. And so today, join me in resolving to repent of this sin and pleading that the Holy Spirit of God will so move in your heart and in mine that we will live in such a way that prepares us for what is to come, an eternal existence of thanksgiving to our almighty Creator, God. Would you join me as we pray?
Our Father in heaven, we ask that you would do this work in us. We confess the ways we are not thankful to you. Oh God, today I repent of my thanklessness and I ask that you would do a work in my heart again, afresh, anew, that when I wake up tomorrow, I will see with new eyes of faith all the ways you have been so good. So would you open my eyes, O God, to see this? And would you open the eyes of my friends joining us tonight? Help us, O God, to live in such a way that we'll be prepared for that final day where we will join you at the marriage supper of the Lamb and with thanksgiving in our heart, cry out, Hallelujah, the Lord God Almighty reigns. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.